Hey friends, welcome to the Hope and Help Project, the podcast that cultivates compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. I'm your host, Christine Chappell, and I'm so thankful you're here to join on today's conversation with Chelsea Hurst. Today, we'll be talking about her brand new book, Above All Else, to explore the common challenges facing young Christian women today. Chelsea highlights the various performance pressures that 20-somethings grapple with and explains how the temptation to conform to worldly standards leaves followers of Christ into self-inflicted pain and disappointment. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to learn more about the Hope and Help Project by visiting faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. The link is posted in the show description, and by visiting that page, you can learn all about the mission of the podcast. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Chelsea Hurst made her debut on YouTube in 2011 and has since gone on to become a role model for millions of teens around the globe. Her channel features makeup tutorials, life advice videos, and everything in between, including messages about Chelsea's faith. Chelsea has appeared in Seventeen, Teen Vogue, and Trend Magazine, among others, and her website, ChelseaCrockett.com, is home to thousands of beauty, fashion, lifestyle, and advice posts. Chelsea's greatest passion is connecting with her fans and subscribers and using her voice to make a positive impact on viewers across the world. Hey there, Chelsea. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Christine. It's good to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you on my show to discuss your brand new book, Above All Else, 60 Devotions for Young Women. Having you on as a guest gives us the opportunity to hear from a 20-something Christian female about the present challenges and cultural influences that our young women are facing. And I think that's a really important perspective to have because we tend to disregard or overlook in the church the voice of our young people. Would you take a few minutes to share about your ministry and what led you to writing a devotional specifically for young women? Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate you giving me a voice, although I am a little bit um, younger than, I guess, your portrayed audience. But I just enjoy being able to talk about what it's like to be 20-something in the church, but also in just the real world of social media and in-person experiences with other people. And so, yeah, thank you so much once again. And also, the ministry that I do, I often don't really even call it a ministry just because it simply started out as just fun and passion and excitement for just creating online videos. I started on YouTube and I loved creating makeup tutorials and just anything that a girly girl would be interested in. And that was me. And so over the years, my passions kind of changed and I started following Jesus like for real, for real in (laughs) high school. So once I experienced that in my life, I really wanted to kind of portray that experience that I've had and also Uh, the life change that had happened within my heart on video because that was what I was doing. And as the years progressed, I I started writing more. And also I I was on reality TV with my family. It's so wild to even think about that. But yeah, as just time's gone on, uh, I'm married now. We got married. My husband and I, Nick, uh, got married in March of 2019. And so we're newlyweds and we're just navigating all the challenges of that. And So not only am I 21, I also just recently got married and I'm navigating all of that. And it's amazing. We love being married and we think it was our next step. And um, so we have a very, I feel like, unique voice. And as I shifted my channel more towards what was going on in my life now and less of the makeup 
surface level type stuff, we changed the channel to the Hearst family on YouTube. And so we try to address young adult challenges that many of us face. And then also we have a podcast called Encounter Now with Nick and Chels, and we discuss those issues even further. But we also just try to live our lives authentically and in a fun way because that's just who we are. We don't want anyone to get a like fake version of us. So we just enjoy doing that together. And of course, we do extra work on the side to just pay our bills and get stuff done in the real life Mm -hmm. um, day to day. So yeah, that's us. And that's um, what I'm currently just navigating right now. And then above all else comes out on October 8th. And I'm so pumped for it because I feel like it's, it is my second book, but it's the one, I think that's the one out of the two that I feel honestly the most proud of because it is just, it's really deep into um, just scriptural topics, but I really challenged the reader to go back to scripture and dive deeper, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed reading the book, and I thought that that is exactly what the devotionals did, was you continued to point people back to Jesus, back to God's word, to really help them navigate the various challenges that they may be going through. And so I definitely got that sense from the book. And actually, in the introduction of the book, you share a really relatable yet vulnerable confession. You write, quote, I used to glance at my Bible from across my room and want nothing to do with it. I found it boring, confusing, and if I'm honest, uncomfortably convicting. I don't think it would be terribly far-fetched to say that there are a lot of young people who can relate to what you've written here. Mm -hmm. Based on your experience and based on what you've observed from young women you're connected to, why can spending time in the Bible be considered more of a chore than a delight in early adulthood? Was there a particular turning point in your life when this view of the scriptures had changed? Yes, definitely. I think, honestly, though, if I'm being truthful, it's been almost like a wavy roller coaster when it comes to reading scripture. There's times in my life where I'm like super glued in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe nobody wants to read this. It's almost like a drama and we're just kind of watching it unfold. But also, I think the times when I've been the least interested in what my Bible has to say and say and what God is trying to speak to me is when I know that I've been living in sin and I've been almost not even just living in it, but delighting in almost just the excitement of it. And I think a lot of people like to shy away from saying that sometimes sin is enticing and fun. And oftentimes that's why people get dragged into it or just like kind of step into it Mm -hmm. because the devil can, you know, make it seem that way. But then once you've been living in it and you realize it's so not fulfilling and I'm not even talking about anything extreme, but just in general with getting lured away from the flow of life that I think that God likes us to have so that we can be whole and that we can have fulfillment in him. I think that that's whenever I am the least interested in scripture is when I know that there are other things that I would rather be doing. But that's also when I know that I haven't been growing in Christ and that I need to get my head back on straight. And I'm specifically talking about times when I've been in high school and I've been lured away by uh, different types of friends that have kind of proposed that certain things would be much more fun than living the lifestyle that I knew I was called to. And so that's whenever I used to sit across the room and be like, oh my gosh, that's just such a big book full of confusing things that I don't understand and that people try to preach to me, but I don't really know how to necessarily live out in my daily life. 
So when I realized that all of those things were unfulfilling and I started to dive into scripture and realize that other people had experienced those exact same things. And although it was a lot longer ago than recent times right now, it is still applicable today. And it is amazing what happens when you actually apply those truths to your life. And so that's whenever I started to see the the scriptures and a new light is when I realized that I'm not alone in what I'm maybe enticed into doing in life, but I don't have to choose that way. Like God's always going to give us a way out of, of those choices and choosing the right way is so fulfilling. And so it's almost like you get a burst of joy whenever you decide to go the opposite direction and God almost rewards that. And in his own way. And so nowadays I find myself reading more Old Testament stuff, which I would never guess that I would have back then. Uh, I just finished reading Esther and it's just so powerful to see how how God is just uh, moving within the characters of the Bible, but also how relatable it is to us today. I totally agree. And you're absolutely right about the fact that God gives us power through his Holy Spirit to enable us to choose between righteousness and sin. Because before we knew Christ, we didn't have the opportunity to choose. There was only one path, which was sin. But now in Christ, we do have that opportunity. Now that doesn't mean that the temptations are easy to <laughs> to overcome or to put off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely, as you said in the Bible, we see, you know, example of of people failing to choose right. But thanks be to God that we have grace and mercy through Jesus Christ and that ultimately one day we will not have to struggle with that sin nature and that we will be free from it altogether. So I, I definitely agree with you there. Well, you certainly keep yourself busy with the various projects you are involved in. You mentioned a, a bunch of them earlier in this chat. Uh, and you encourage your followers also to be others oriented in their daily living, but you also caution them about the temptation of forsaking rest. And you write, quote, doing too much eventually leads to not being able to do anything at all. Would you explain what you mean by that statement and give us maybe some firsthand insight about some of the performance pressures our young Christian women are facing today? Yeah, for sure. I love talking about this topic because (laughs) I personally know the advantages of rest in a world where uh, everyone is just trying to almost like flash how busy they are. And I don't know when that culture kind of immersed itself into my age demographic, but it's almost like as soon as it did, it hit me like a truck. And I was like, man, are people really, you know, so busy in their lives and really doing all this stuff? I feel like I am not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And I hated feeling like that. But I also realized that all of the things that people are posting may have been recorded at some other time or aren't necessarily like, I wake up at four and I get 24 things done in my day. Mm -hmm. And so I had to almost take that pressure off myself and realize that I have a different rhythm to my life and I don't have to abide by other people's rhythms because some people do well when they have so many things on their plate and they're able to just get them done really fast. But whenever I think about me and the way that I'm wired, I like to focus on three or four things in one day and really immerse myself in them and make sure that they're done well. And so I think that what a lot of people my age need to hear is that as much as we see this flashy lifestyle of busyness, we need to figure out our rhythm and what's healthy for us because otherwise we're going to be spinning our wheels and worrying way too much about what other people think. Uh, and we're not going to be living for the right reasons and doing the things that we're doing for anything other than other people's 
uh, perspectives and uh, the gain of our, our image, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And so I would just suggest that people just take a step back and find their rhythm and don't be ashamed in taking a day off where you just literally let your body rest and you're not glued to your phone or your computer and working on things and responding to emails. And uh, I just think it's so important that we grasp that concept of rest because Jesus emphasized it so much as well. Yeah, I think too, resting is something that humbles us. <laughs> you know, we will have these performance pressures put on our shoulders, sometimes self-inflicted, by the way. And it can sometimes and very often be a sign of pride that we think that the world is falling on our shoulders or that if things don't get done, then this big catastrophe is going to happen. And so rest really puts us in that position of humility and saying, you know what, I'm going to trust God with my day. He knows what I'm going to accomplish. And if that's only going to be one thing, then great. <laughs> but, but it's right. just that it's that one good thing. But, you know, I think sometimes when we are tempted to fill our schedules with so much activity, it can be really a signal of pride because guess what happens when we don't get that list done then we become angry and bitter mm -hmm. and spiteful maybe we snap at our family or whoever is trying to get in our way of getting those accomplishments and that's when you know that this is really coming from an area of pride and not a humility position and really just an overall attitude of surrendering our schedules to the lord even the older Christian women, everyone struggles with that, not just the young people, but I do agree, especially with social media and the world that you're living in, with the YouTubes and all those things, the instant gratification of social media that our young people have at their fingertips can be so tempting to think that they've got to perform, 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 and never really even take a breath. <laughs> Yeah, it honestly drives me more so to like, I mean, I took off several days this past weekend just from posting anything. And I know that the algorithm's not going to favor that when you think about mm -hmm. Instagram and all of that. But I just have to realize that my health is more important than any sort of algorithm. And right. uh, I think that, you know, God's going to honor that in the long term and he's going to bless ministries if they're able to rest. And resting doesn't always look like sleeping in your bed. It, it looks like <laughs> getting out and getting exercise and just unplugging from your apps and unplugging from just the the pressures that a lot of us have and the demands of sometimes just having too many people who have a say so in our lives and mm -hmm. just trying to uh, unplug from that and realize that whenever we are replenished in that way we have more space to be more creative and to take the energy into the projects there that we're wanting to just pursue so yeah. yeah, I love this topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, so being labeled as a social media sensation may give the impression that appearance and publicity are top priorities for you. Yet in your book, you explain that, quote, in a world where we are encouraged to show the excitement of our everyday lives, a still spirit that obeys Christ in the ordinary day to day is much more important than putting on a show for the world to see. In what ways have you felt the tension between pursuing worldliness versus righteousness when it comes to social media visibility? And how do you encourage young women to guard their hearts in that regard? Mm, this is a good one. I would say the ways that I've been tempted to just kind of abide by the world standards in this way is 
just by exactly what we kind of talked about is like constantly posting what my life is like and the excitement of it. But in some, some days, like I I'm crying because I have a bad day and nobody wants to post about that. Uh, but some people even voice to me over personal messages that that's what they appreciate is whenever people are vulnerable also in what they actually experience in their day-to-day lives because not everything is trying on outfits and making flashy photos and exciting brand posts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's important to just take a step back and realize like th- the, these posts that we see aren't everybody's everyday lives. And for me being a, I really, I kind of cringe at the word influencer because to me, I'm kind of like uh, everybody out there is influencing people. And it's almost like, I've had this conversation with someone recently about how a lot of people are trying to build their own sort of kingdoms, but we've kind of lost the family aspect of trying to help each other out and and growing together. And um, so I've almost been tempted to do that without realizing it and uh, trying to do things for the Lord, but also trying to gain a bigger platform so that I can reach more people. And, And that's that's all fine and dandy, but sometimes it can, it really can cross a line of trying to gain to simply to gain. And it's almost like it gives you that, that boost in your mind and you don't even realize it. So it's, I've had to look back and, and remind myself before I post something, what is the purpose behind what I'm posting? And it results in me posting a lot less. Hmm. And sometimes it's, it's how, how am I going to help other people's lives with this post rather than why do people need to see me um, doing so-and-so activity? Am I trying to gain something from this? Am I, am I trying to gain likes or people's approval or, wow, she has a glamorous life? Uh, I just don't want anyone to think those sort of things. I want to genuinely help other people. And it's taken me a while to get to this conclusion because I, I think it's an everyday temptation. Um, and so it's just like a, it's almost like a mind switch that I have to have every single time I post. (laughs) I have to be honest, while I was reading your book, there was a story you told in day 11 of the devotional, which focuses on the topic of forgiving others. Would you share that story with the listeners and explain how it affected your understanding of how the gospel empowers us to forgive even in the midst of terrible pain and sorrow? Yes, for sure. And whenever I was writing this page, I had to rewrite it a few times because I I wanted to make sure to uh, get the story right and not talk about someone else's story um, incorrectly. But a few years ago, I would say almost, it actually happened just a little over 10 years ago because I just recently went to the 10-year memorial service. And one of my pastors from the past I lived in Southern Illinois for most of my life. We went to a Baptist church and the pastor, Pastor Fred, actually got shot on stage. And uh, during this time, this guy had had walked in and opened fired, but our church did a lot of skit, skits and plays. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a skit played out in a church, but we just always looked forward to that every single, almost every single Sunday at this point, uh, where there was just like drama and acting to just play out different things in the Bible. But we were almost in a mindset of being like, is this really real? Like I personally wasn't in the room, but this is what everyone was telling me that was happening. And whenever the guy had opened fired on him, um, our pastor had held up his Bible on the second shot to protect himself. And the Bible had almost like flew out into confetti. And so that's where I think a lot of people 
almost got confused thinking that it was a skit but in reality he was shot and within an hour he had passed and it was so crazy to just look back and and see this happening and we were on the side of my family and I were on the way to church and we were on the side of the road about to go to the next service and everybody was passing the news along uh, the road because they had shut the church down and I remember one thing from this whole story that was just profound to me and that was his wife's reaction to how everything had happened she was on some news channels uh, the day after and they were asking her how she was feeling and you know anybody in their mind at that point would probably be terribly sorrowful and also probably angry like extremely angry but she said she had forgiven the man and the only reason for that was because of Jesus and the spirit inside of her. And I, I just thought that that was just so radical. And I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced that where it's almost like from the outside where you can't like really see how someone can forgive such a, a mass tragedy like that. Mm-hmm. But she was able to because not because of herself, but because of the spirit that lived with inside her. And I just found that so incredibly inspiring and I remember when I was younger praying for that same sort of attitude when something like that were to ever happen to me because the reality is a lot of stuff like that is going to happen to us, not necessarily on the same level or, or you know, what I just described, mm-hmm. but in our personal lives and uh, just minor hurts and major hurts from other people. So I loved the mindset and just the heart that she carried. And um, I just knew that there would be a lot of pain and and sorrow that they would have to go through, but having Jesus just really changes everything. And it was amazing to just recently go to the 10-year anniversary of that and hear everybody's stories and where they're at in life now and just see where our church is since then. And God's just been really present. So thank you for sharing that. A really just heartbreaking story. I didn't, I was reading the devotional and la la la, and then all of a sudden... (laughs) that story yeah. and I'm like oh my gosh this is awful you know but um I just I really appreciated you you sharing it um especially just as a um, a way of demonstrating how the power of the holy spirit can really enable us to do what we think we cannot and what we think is impossible and so that's just a really great testimony to that well let's talk about the balance between grace and good works in one of your devotionals you write that there is a place for you and me at the table of god and there are no work requirements. I personally love the idea of heaven's hospitality and the fact that there is an empty seat at the table of God with my name on it. But sometimes we can take that truth and actually respond to it in such a way as to excuse chronic poor choices and self-indulgent habits. So in what ways has the Lord helped you to think biblically about this issue? And what would you say to the young woman who realizes she has had a cheapened view of grace? Mm, Yeah, that's a good one. I've definitely been there and I've shared a little bit before in recent videos and also on um, in the pages of this book, just how exactly I went about that. But I would say I I think it could be easy to almost view God's graces like a, a thing that is so freely given to us that our response is to do whatever we want with our lives. And while that can sound really fun and thrilling to someone who is a non-Christian and doesn't really want to 
live the Christian lifestyle, I think that it is important that we realize that in our obedience to what God has called us to do and the way that he's called us to live our lives, it's a way that is almost filled with so much joy and also just not as much pain as you would experience by afflicting it on yourself. Because almost in a way, when we choose to deliver deliberately sin and do whatever we want, it can ultimately lead to more pain than what God would like for us to experience, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. I'm yeah. not saying that the Christian yeah. life is filled with le- less pain or, or sorrow because those things just happen because we live in a sinful world, but I'm saying that there are things that we can't avoid in our lives, and I think that people just don't realize that they can result in pain or um, almost anger or bitterness and just realizing that you're maybe confused in your walk with God when you've chosen to sin and go in that direction. But God's grace is so just powerful and amazing that he almost invites us to respond to him by his grace and, and because of his grace in a way of o- obeying him. And that shows that we love him and we actually care about him on such a deeper level to almost like share that with other people too. So I I don't know necessarily um, how to actually give a real life example of how this played out in my life, but I would say over the years, God's made his grace almost more real to me. And I used to have a version of it that was kind of like skewed and almost cheapened in a way to where I just thought it was something so freely given to me that I could, you know, do whatever I want. And I just want to encourage the person who's listening that maybe is kind of in that realm of just... For example, if you're in college and you're just kind of partying and hanging out with whoever you want to, dating whoever you want to, it's not really a life of fulfillment. It's a life of fun, you know, in the instant moments and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, it almost leaves you empty. So I would say what path do you want to choose that's going to leave you fulfilled, but also um, that's going to leave you towards the God-given calling that he has on your life? I think you made a really good point there just in terms of the pain aspect of of that sin, you know, sin leads to death. And so uh, that may be the death of a relationship. It may be the death, you know, your own spiritual death in terms of having various struggles internally, you know, bitterness, anger, resentment, all these things manifesting themselves because of bad choices that you've made in the past. And I I once heard a pastor preach, and I, I love this quote, because I think it's so fantastic. He said, when God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. And a lot of people can approach the Bible as a rule book, and really it's more um, like an answer book, but uh, we can approach the Bible as a rule book because there are various commands and, and things of that nature. But when God gives us commands, you know, like like that quote said, he's doing it because he knows what's best and that he wants our best. He wants to protect us, to help to shield us from the dangers we might inflict upon ourselves through our, our sinful or unrighteous choices. And so that really changed the way that I viewed some of those commands is that God's not trying to be a tyrant here. He's trying to protect us like any good father would. And so when he says, don't do this or don't do that, he's really saying, don't do these things because they're going to hurt you. And I love you and I care for you. And here's what I want you to be doing so that you don't have to experience that pain or that hurt as a result. So I think that was a really good point you made just there. Well, something that seems to be a challenge for our young Christian women is biblical community, either 
churches are ignoring the need to facilitate an atmosphere where young ladies can connect and grow with others, or there isn't a discipleship emphasis established in their particular local church culture. It may even be that some women don't want to be vulnerable or accountable and known by their Christian sisters. Whatever the issue, while Christian community is essential for Christian growth, many prefer to pursue Christ in isolation and remain disconnected from the church. What have you heard or observed from your followers about this problem, and how do you encourage them to challenge their thinking and beliefs about involvement in Christian community? Yeah, I definitely have uh, gained new insight to this topic the past few years, and I knew that God almost wanted me to start a Bible study within Um, my high school group as I was growing up, but I never did it. And looking back, I wish I did because I know how important it is now. Mm. Uh, We're not called to to live a life of following Jesus alone. And especially when we live in America and American culture where we have that opportunity to get together and freely talk about Jesus, why don't we take advantage of it? I would say to someone who's listening to this and isn't plugged in uh, to a community or doesn't really have friends that make this a priority, create that space. Because I realized that whenever there was a desire for that almost brought up to our church and uh, we almost like voiced that concern, then other people were on board with that vision and making that come to life. And now the church that I am a part of has co-ed groups and women's groups and men's groups, and we all meet at different nights of the week, but our church has made it easier to where we have like the same sort of curriculum that Mm. we all follow, but it's almost based even more so on discussion questions. So I love the fact that it's encouraged of us in scripture to get together and always be meeting continually and do not give up on meeting together. Uh, And so I would encourage you, if you don't have that space or you don't even have that desire, take this as a sign to take that step because it is so important. I want to just emphasize why I think that uh, when we have those circles and those people to encourage us, it almost makes us want to live our our faith outside of our bedroom where we're studying scripture or reading a book, because that's what it's actually about. It's not about just, you know, reading and getting insight for ourselves, although that can be romanticized. I think it's truly about how we live that out in our lives, and you can't really do that without involving other people into the circle. So I would create those circles for yourself if no one else is creating them for you, and then almost share that desire and that need with people who are older and who do have position and authority within the church to make that happen to a new level so that more people have opportunity to get those circles as well. That's a really great recommendation. I love that. We've got time for a couple more questions. So let me say, I love the observation you make when you write, quote, the friends in your close circle should be believers who can lift you up in prayer and call you out when they see you need it. Where are 20-something Christians tempted to go wrong when it comes to friendships? And why is it so important to be willing to hear hard truths from the ones who love us in Christ? Mm. Yeah, I think it is definitely important to to hear the hard truths, but also it's hard to find people who are willing to do so. And I used to be someone who was so afraid to call something out when I saw it within another one of my friends um, because I was afraid I would be misinterpreted in the wrong way and that they would think that I'm out to just get them rather than, uh, you know, encourage them or trying to look out for them in some sort of way. And so I think it's almost like creating a culture within the friendships that you have to where 
you can be open on that on that level and just saying, hey, I know that maybe in the past I haven't been honest with you about uh, encouraging you in the right directions. Uh, and I've always just kind of wanted to be that fun friend for you or someone who's there for you, but not really someone who uh, wants to redirect your steps if I realize that there's something going on in your life. Because I've seen some friends of mine that have been so scared to call something out within their friends because they were afraid that it would destroy their friendships. But it's almost like if you're going to be the first person in that person's life to call something out and they you know, kind of not disown you, but shut you out for a short period of time. Maybe they'll apply that thing to their life or realize what you're saying and come back to you. Sometimes it's more important to lovingly correct someone for their own good and their safety than to have, you know, smoothies every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's something that we almost have to like create within the culture of our friendships. And it starts with just being honest and saying, this is the reason why I want to be honest with you. And this is the reason why I want to um, correct you because it is biblical, but sometimes people don't want to hear, you know, I'm doing this because it's biblical. Um, People just want to hear that it comes from your heart and uh, that, you know, it should be a part of how we are wired and um, something that we should actively pursue. So that's what I've tried to do the past few years. And I think it was a little bit easier to do since I made a move to Georgia from Illinois and I had new friends. It's almost like I started that within uh, the first few months of meeting someone. So yeah, I would, I would encourage that within the people who are listening. If you haven't started doing that and if a friend's tried to do that for you, then accept that humbly, but also uh, take it before God and say, you know, if this is really something that I've been doing wrong, like, please teach me how to correct this within my behavior or whatever it may be. Well, I'm going to invite you to do something that I have every guest on the show do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There may be someone listening today who is a young Christian woman. Maybe her walk with the Lord is sporadic at best, even though she calls herself a Christian and periodically attends church. Perhaps she's realizing that the choices she's been making in her life have revolved more around her passions and ambitions than the desire of knowing God. She wants to take steps to change this, but she isn't sure she knows what to do or how to do it. So what would you say to this woman to give her the courage necessary to reach out for help and pursue God above all else? I would say to you, the listener, that as much as it can be safe and comfortable and sticking with what your passions are and the things that get you excited and just the friendships that you have and, you know, the fun of it all, Ultimately, the long term, looking forward to the future and the joy that is wrapped up in that, choosing a life that focuses on God's will ultimately for you and what he has laid before you is so much more satisfying and joy filled, but also leads to eternal glory with Jesus and then our own comforts and pleasures of this life because Ultimately, you know, everybody is not going to stay on this earth forever. There is an eternity, and I think that we need to live our lives, and you should live your life in a way that is worthy of the calling that God has put on your life. And I think that that is living a life seeking Jesus above all else, and that's where the title came from for this book. So I hope that you take that in and maybe take the steps necessary to Uh, live that sort of life and and follow that calling because it is placed on all of us and it's so exciting when we choose to do that as well. 
Well, thank you so much for those encouraging words. Now, if somebody is listening to this episode, they don't already follow you, uh, where can they connect to learn more about your various videos and social medias and all of the content you're putting out? Do you you have a website you would recommend them to go to? Yeah, I have a lot of things. (laughs) Um, But I would say to find the YouTube videos, uh, go to YouTube and then search the Hearst family. And then on Apple podcast or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, you can search encounter now with Nick and Shels. We discuss a lot of the same sort of issues that we talked about today on this podcast. And then above all else that you, we referenced a ton in this podcast as well comes out on October 8th. Well, very good. I will be sure to link to all those places in the show notes for this episode. So if you're listening and you want to just get connected with Chelsea real fast, scroll down to the show notes, click the link that is there, and it will take you to the page where you can access all of the various platforms that Chelsea has to offer. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much again for taking time out of your schedule and congratulations on the new book, which is launching this week. Super excited about it. I'm just so thankful that you were willing to come on to the show and share from the perspective of a 20-something young Christian woman. And I, I know I've learned a lot today, and I hope our listeners have as well. Well, thank you, Christine. And I really appreciate all the, the questions and intentional thoughts that we've had today because, I mean, you have no idea how much of a difference it makes when people like you are intentional about speaking to this audience. So thank you so much. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode, complete with links to Chelsea's new book and other helpful resources. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you left a review for the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help Project a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. One more thing, if you're looking for gospel hope and help for life's challenging problems, visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash email. I send my email subscribers weekly biblical counseling resources on rotating topics. From videos, audios, articles, and recommended reading, these emails are designed to equip you to discover gospel hope and help in your own life. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help Project.